that's classic souls tutorial yeah like that yeah. is the most like you're a wretched nothing skeleton <laughs> nasty man you are rising in the ranks and you fight your way through a little jail cell and kill your mm-hmm. dude and it's like put on your nasty man helmet okay now you've got a nasty man <laughs> dagger and you know and then you come out and you're the lord of light yeah that's classic dude I think some of my favorite characters were obviously Torrent. Love, love the horse. Shout out to Torrent. Yeah, shout out to Torrent. Whoever made that horse, whoever fought, (laughs) whoever suits they had to beat the fuck down to say, no, this horse is going to be able to double jump up to a mountaintop if you want. I praise that person. I give them all the fucking praise (laughs) because you know somebody was like, no, we need a ceiling. We Mm -hmm. need to have an invisible. And he was like, fuck you. You put that ceiling in and I walk. That's how I imagine it in my head anyways. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Go on though. Torrent. Yep. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Berries and Blades, a place where we analyze and break down some of our favorite video games. My name is Joseph Bullard. I'm here with my friends, Willie Garza and Taylor Garrett. We're just three lowly tarnished, trying to avoid being ensnarled in a transporter trap, but I digress. So what have you guys been up to lately? Not a lot, man. Just been chilling. Um, I've been playing some Deathloop, doing some, uh, I don't know, might call it Groundhog's Day scenario, but with a lot more murder in it. Oh, is this a game that's based in like the 60s or 50s or something? Yeah, it's very retro looking. Um, it, it's one of those where it's everything looks retro from 50s, 60s, but it's got a lot of futuristic stuff. Like, Got it. I remember. And powers that you can use. Yeah. Overall, it's a little time looper, which I'm a fan of anything that time loops and has done good. You know, movies, games, whatever. If it's a cool time loop, I'm into it. But it's nice. It's a really good engine, and I it's kind of the culmination of a bunch of different games that I enjoy, like the Dishonored series and uh, Prey and all that stuff from Bethesda. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Baby's been good. Uh, otherwise, just hiding in a hole. Word. It looks like you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> Willie's been on mute. Yeah, I need to I need to check that game out. I've been meaning to since we talked about it. I downloaded it and I still didn't even, didn't even do it. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. It had a lot of praise. It had like five-star ratings and stuff when it came out on PlayStation. So I'm sure mm-hmm. it's good. Where is this game at? Where can you get it? Game Pass on the Xbox. Yeah, and it's on everything now. PC. Like you just recently went to multiple platforms because it was... I say everything, but I, no, am I wrong? I think maybe it just came out for Xbox. But it was only on PlayStation for you know, the last couple of years or whatever it's been. Yeah. It was one where they met oh, in the middle did the compromise of releasing it on PC and, um, and PlayStation, but not on Xbox. We had to wait a year. I think I've only seen a trailer for that game, but long ago. It's good. It's a good concept. They have a little multiplayer aspect in there where, so say Willie plays it. I can be an invader. So he wants to break this time loop as the main character And then you can also be an invader who wants to protect the loop. That's the multiplayer aspect where I could invade Willie's game uh, a certain amount of times per level that he's on and just straight up hunt him and attack him like with all my powers and he can defend himself with all his powers. 
And it's just an interesting aspect of having this giant level that is totally fun to go through and manipulate and explore by yourself. But then you have that element of there could be a, a real person strolling through there hunting you and trying to kill you and they could have invisibility or you know shifting or whatever it's fun as interesting as that is like i like the idea but i think the thing that we do most is play co-op games together Mm -hmm. so that's one of the reasons i think that i haven't played it yet because it's like if i'm going to play something with y'all i don't necessarily want to like fuck up your game it's just like not the way i know it's like part of the game it's just not the way that we play stuff together the other part of that is, though, is it's hard to do because I feel like both Taylor and I sometimes put ourselves on a peer offline. And so you don't even know that your friend's playing the fucking game. So it's like, I, I can't do yeah. it as a surprise, right? I can't even just hop into the game as a surprise because it'd be, hey, Taylor, are you on right now? And then he fucking knows something's coming. Like, it's like, <laughs> so it's, I haven't yeah. done it. Yeah, about to get raided. Hmm. It might be fun, though. We'll check it out. And I, I could see us uh, before. <laughs> Before it's all over, we'll just be partnering up and taking out people in the level and shit. Yeah. Before it's all said and done. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Hmm. Oh, and the other thing before I forget, your intro reminded me to ask this question. Are there some transporter traps you can't evade? Like sometimes you can open them and back off, right? But are there some that you just can't do that? I don't think so. Because I felt like I ran into one. I could have sworn I backed away from it and it just, it wouldn't let me. Hmm. I don't remember where it was. It was in some cave or tunnel somewhere. I only found this out recently, but when you immediately back away to not get trapped, you can walk back into the mist and it's like deactivated at that point, Oh, which is pretty cool. I hadn't realized that because I never tried it just because it just seemed risky. Yeah. But if you walk back into it, it won't trap you, which was pretty interesting to me. Hmm. But anyway... Our listeners won't notice this, but we actually took a month-long break from recording, so I can move across the country. And this is our first episode back, but we're excited to be back because we're finally talking about a game we've all been dying to talk about, Elden Ring. Our format is pretty simple. We start with our overall impressions and then move on to a few categories. The main storyline and character analysis, game mechanics visual graphics, the music, and then our final thoughts. But before we dive in, just want to warn everybody that there might be spoilers after our overall impressions. We don't plan to intentionally reveal anything major, but there's always a chance it could happen. So consider that before continuing on if you haven't played the game where you're not finished. And uh, before we get started, I did also want to mention that unlike a few other reviews I've heard about the game, All three of us have actually become Elden Lord and have played a total of at least 830 hours of this fucking game, (laughs) which have all have been amazing. But Willie, do you want to start us? Yeah. Overall, I really dug this game. It's one of the first things I've played in a long time that I've like just been sucked into and just kept playing. I probably said this already, but I have a hard time like finishing stuff lately. I did not have a hard time finishing this game. I like sunk hours into this game every day for a few weeks while I wanted to know what was happening, even though it was kind of hard to know what was happening, which we'll get into later. But I I do just overall like the gameplay, the style, the the difficulty is like difficult, but like not too difficult compared to other From Software games. For some reason, it felt different. And I think just because there was a co-op aspect to it, 
it also made it a little bit easier. Like when you were having trouble, you could just pull somebody in and like to pull y'all in and like play through something you might've already played through, or maybe you haven't, but either way, it was just like doing that together, like was just a lot of fun. Nice. What about you, Taylor? I feel very similar. I've played all the other Souls games. You know, a lot of them I played with friends and played a ton of hours and definitely feel like they nailed it on this one as far as just coming together of all of those aspects, but doing it in a very fluid and less punishing way. And it seemed to be like the smartest thing they ever could have done (laughs) because it created this thing where like, just like Willie said, you can call in your boys, have them come help you. You could go random with people easily at any time and just stroll across giant swaths of the map and fight anything random that you come across. And it was amazing. It it was almost like they captured that breath of the wild kind of mystery and amazing just that draw to make you want to go somewhere to make you see a thing and make you hop on your horse and set out and go to that thing they nailed Mm -hmm. it and the art and the music and everything was on point as always they didn't slack anywhere from what i could see Mm -hmm. and that's pretty typical for from i guess i'm the only one here that had never played a FromSoft game so this was my first FromSoft game and i thought it was amazing easily one of the most enjoyable games i've ever played it's a fortunate one to be the first (laughs) to start with yeah it really is some of the funnest combat i've ever played in a game too overall i think the game well it's huge huge playable areas huge map but also it's huge in a way that wasn't overwhelming like i sometimes feel from other games like when you unlock a new area and you just spent like 30 hours in in one section of the game and then you unlock a new one you're like fuck and I'm going to have to spend like as much time in this new area. I'd never felt like that about this game, which stood out to me. And then the game is challenging, but it's not overly frustrating. Like it, you can win the game. You can beat hard bosses. And it's one of the few games that has actually, for a real good stretch of time, I was playing every single night. Mm-hmm. It was like scheduled in or like penciled into my schedule. And I played every night. And Meg was watching me play a lot of those hours. And it's just the kind of game that made me want to get better and not like quit, not quit because it's too difficult. It was like challenging in a way that made me want to continue and like overcome the obstacles, which is awesome. That's something I think you probably missed out on, on the Souls games. Mm -hmm. Now I bet you could go back and you can still get some enjoyment because the, especially in Souls 2 and 3, maybe 1, like, very similar combat style. You can lock onto the dude. You can go around. You can roll. It's based on weight. You can have different weapons to be faster, slower, heavier, magic, whatever. A lot of the same stuff is in there, but there was just this unforgiving element. Sometimes you would get to a boss, a giant dragon that you just cannot beat unless you get leveled up enough and or have people with you that were you know, also super leveled. This one seemed to do a great job about not backing you into corners like that. And I think that was a major one that people like you that were new to the, those series and those games probably is going to lock you in for a long time. If they can keep, you know, just build on that right there, they're not going to lose. Like they're Mm -hmm. only going to be gaining people and keeping word. 
So I guess at this point, we're going to move on to some of the other larger categories. So at this point, there could be spoilers. Honestly, I don't know if there will be because what is this fucking game even about? Sometimes you feel that way still, (laughs) even after 300 hours. But there is a lot of story in the game. Like if you go looking for it, the game doesn't give you shit unless you do want to find it, which I think is awesome. And from what I could tell, that seems to be like the way of doing things for FromSoft. But it might be the first game that I played where you have to spend like 30 hours before you really finding out, like you start finding out things that kind of help you understand what the game's about. But Taylor, what's your what's your your hack and slash version of what the game is about? Game is about a dude who wakes up and is dead and got killed and um, must emerge from a cave to got killed yep he got killed and he must emerge from his dark cave to hug thine maiden and lie head on thine bosom and then go (laughs) kill them dragon and stuff like any good game honestly the mechanics and everything and the the mystery of this game were so deep that i barely remember much of the story at all like I could tell you all kinds of stuff as far as enemies and tactics and weapons and spells, but as far as the story, man, it took a backseat for me, even though the story seems amazing. Like the bits of it that I do remember and, and definitely were into, it's incredible. Like it's, you know, our, our Martin level of storytelling, which does make sense since he was involved, but I don't know. It's a, uh, you know, you, you beat it. There's a big dude. Uh, a boss man, if you will. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think that uh, part of that was the fact that, one, yes, the story is like very well hidden, as uh, Joey was saying. Like, you have to go find it if you want to. Yeah. Everything is like hidden in, not everything. Like, there are cinematics, obviously, that tell you some of the story and you get your quests from people and you sort of hear the, what you're doing, like your tasks. But then, if you really want to dive into the lore, like everything is hidden in text. Each weapon you pick up or each piece of armor, there's some piece of lore for the world, which is wild that like, yeah, actually tells you what's going on. It helps you understand this whole thing. But I think, you know, what makes sense is when we were playing, it was long ago now, like our, the majority of our time playing was over two months ago now or something probably. So those mm-hmm. 300 hours each of us did, or I think in my case, close to 200, they were crammed into about like four weeks time or something, like three months ago. And we were all trying to keep up with each other through the game. There wasn't a lot of time to digest everything or just like get in a few hours, even though you're like exploring everything. Yeah, you're just kind of rushing through it uh, so you can get as much done with your buds as you can. Yeah, that was probably a major part of it. I think that's that's a, probably a big part of it. I did actually, you know, I mean, I, I did pay more attention to the story as I could and did enjoy the the lore behind everything and read as much stuff as I could, but it wasn't everything. It wasn't until like I finished the game that I went back and watched other people's videos on stuff to like actually understand what was going on, which is... That would probably help. Yeah. Be a lot of help. It definitely helps piece together the game, especially if you're kind of lost because the game is very easily, it's easy to miss lore it's easy not to know which step is next in your quest. After you've talking, you've talked to an NPC and you've fully exhausted their dialogue, to know that you need to then go do something else and then come back and talk to that NPC again. 
Mm-hmm. There's no mission log. There's no quest journal yes. that gives you step-by-step directions and kind of guides you along. So like you can easily miss things. And a lot of people play this game with some type of online tracking system or a map that reveals the locations of things so that you kind of know what to do. And I saw a lot of reviews where there were people that played 30 hours in the game and they're like, this game sucks. You know, like there's no story. And because you can literally play the game very easily for like 50 hours and not really run into any of the main NPCs, which is kind of incredible, you know, because of the open world nature of this game, there's all kinds of shit to learn about. Like Willie was saying, a lot of the lore is buried into the weapon descriptions and item descriptions. And it's amazing how many of the dots can be connected by reading all of that stuff and exhausting all of the character dialogue. But the main, the larger points are that you're this kind of low life person, a a lowly tarnished, and you've kind of been resurrected. And uh, there are reasons you can't remain dead once you die and why you keep coming back to life. But you're essentially looking for pieces of a ring, uh, the Elden Ring, and you're trying to basically recover those rings so that you can reforge this this powerful ring but yeah there's the earth tree the greater will tarnished the shattering knight of the black knives the two fingers and then all sorts of npc characters taylor i want to come back to you what were you gonna bring up earlier oh um i was gonna ask so i want to say one of the reasons that it was hard for me to keep up with uh with a lot of the lore and stuff was uh not only because i mean we would had just had a kid and like you know, I was barely sleeping. There was a lot of that going on, but there's not like a general book or glossary or anything that you're like filling out as you do it. Right. Like if you, if you see some story, like some big part of lore and it's because you just beat a boss and you're about to go to bed from my memory, it it doesn't remember or like write down what happened then. Some games you'll boot it back up and you'll go back and it'll be like, well, you just beat Johnny the murderer or whatever, and, and now you got to do this and that. And like you said, there's no list of things that you've done or or here's what the story is doing or where the story is at. And that may have been a, a thing that really kept me from exploring it more than I did. I wonder if there was a way, I mean, I know there probably is, but I wonder if it would make, if they would ever consider doing stuff like that as far as like, just doing the loading screens where it's like telling you the story that you've revealed so far. Yeah. Like some other games do. I don't know that that's necessarily their style. Right. But I wonder if that would Mm -hmm. help in that aspect. It'd be a hell of a mod for people (laughs) like me that, that are like real distracted or have like distracted lives or ADHD and have to go through playing it. Cause you'd be able to, you know, I love when games do that. It's like, so-and-so mm-hmm. did this and it made their journey perilous because of this and that. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's that stuff I did the other day. <laughs> I immediately think of Wild Hunt and the way that they yep. handled like uh, rejoining the game and booting the game back up and restarting. It yeah. would do one of those cinematic or not even really cinematic. It was like more of uh, animation, but almost in like a comic book way. It's almost like a comic yeah. book scene that they would play. And then it had that. Kind of strange, kind of strange, like dub over the top. Like the voiceover was kind of strange and it was like this weird announce announcer. You know what yeah. I'm talking about, Taylor? Yep. Oh, yeah. It's kind of weird, but. Yeah, they had a they had a very special delivery and a lot of people love and hate that. I hear a lot of people complaining about that in cyberpunk, even in the anime where they like they don't say I a lot. 
It's like the way they talk in their games, I guess. But a lot of people have been annoyed about it. With all that being said, I maybe this goes into game mechanics a little bit, but like, you know, it's it's really easy to just get sidetracked and not be doing the main storyline, right? But also, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, and you're just following the sights of grace on the ground and the ones on the map that have like directions on them, if you're literally just following those arrows, you can take yourself through the main story like fairly easily. Now, mm-hmm. if you did that, I don't know how hard it would get like quickly you get fucking wrecked immediately yeah. i feel like you'd be in places that are sort of you're under leveled for and you would be trying to fight a boss and that would be the problem right like you would you'd follow those arrows you get to the place where you're supposed to go and you're like oh i can't be here yet and then you mm-hmm. have to go back and just like search everything to fight some more enemies find some equipment find something that's going to help you with that boss but if you didn't want to yep. do that, if you didn't follow those arrows, like you could literally just be in Limgrave for 30 plus hours without doing anything else. For sure. That was my first album, <laughs> In Limgrave for 30 in hours. For 30 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, dropped it. A lot, of, a lot of maiden talk, a lot of Golden Knight stuff. Taylor, from, from what you can remember, who, who might be one of your favorite characters from the game? NPCs or bosses? I don't know if I have a favorite when it comes to bosses, like all of the, all of the bosses that I can recall are amazing. Just like their animations and the art that's used on them. Character wise. I don't know if anybody really stuck out to me. There was the whole, um, I forget the guy's name where the sorcerer, you had to go deal with him in his tower. There was that quest where that dude turned out to be pretty, pretty quirky. Punk ass. Yeah. Yeah. Punk ass. (laughs) sorcerer you know he beat up a lot of people in that tower oh for sure man there were people (laughs) people people had their heads hanging down ghost or not for sure they had a lot of amazing characters i think like the the rot guy who was near the table who was always a mystery Mm -hmm. Uh, the guy with the with the weird armor that was covered in scabs or teeth or something you're talking about the round table dung dung eater yeah 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 that's uh, oh dung eater, about yeah. that guy yeah that guy I, I always like the their characters like that that are real mysterious and they are not giving you any extra information on that dude mm-hmm. unless you dig and find it and learn it he's not going to have a little plaque around him that's like this is this guy and this is what he's about yeah <laughs> you're going to mm-hmm. find that out 40 hours later Willie, you have anybody that sticks out uh yeah definitely and i i just want to be clear with anybody who's listening this is where we're probably going to start if we start naming stuff we're going to probably start getting into spoilers because i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna say some stuff so this is your this is your warning to to turn it off if you really want to know nothing about this game before you start playing dung eater was really good and like yeah it's interesting that like you don't really know much about that guy but that's like also leads you on a path to one of the major endings of the game if you go that route. But you might not go that route and you never see any of that stuff about that. Mm -hmm. And I said all that spoiler stuff because I think my favorite character, there's a couple things. There's Ronnie is probably my favorite character whose ending is the one that I unlocked. And honestly, I think it was just from the aesthetic of the like Ranala fight, that fight in the library with her. With all her like oh little God. minions singing stuff around on the ground and like yes. dropping her to the ground and then eventually is that the first fight where there's a second round like there's a second phase 
I believe so. And you're having to shatter, well, like you shatter, shatter the moon or the shield or whatever. Yeah. But then like it had a second health bar though, right? Like that's the first one where I think so. That's yeah. the first one where you feat you defeat her, and then you end up in this plane of water with the moon over the surface, and that place is just beautiful. And that fight is. I feel like that is the first time if you're going in order the first time that you have a boss that has like a complete second phase like that. It's more than one health bar, I should say. So like you thought you won and then you realize you didn't and you're in this really beautiful place and you're like running around with no cover trying to like stop this thing from destroying you. And she's throwing, you know, those, I guess it's Renala's dark moon or whatever, something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And she summons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she summons a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. That place is beautiful. And if you've you've never been there, it's like um, imagine this endless plane of ankle deep water. And then there's like the cosmos like above. Any of the deer type fights were like epic. I love the, Mm -hmm. the animation of the deer. Yeah, that was a beautiful boss fight. Oh, man. Just so beautiful. Like the way they had them kind of flying around and it got me killed a lot just standing around looking at the beauty happening. <laughs> Willie, what minor characters did you like, if any? Because Ronnie did feel like a main character. Oh, yeah, character, for man. sure. Yeah, yeah. She, she was. She was like the main character of the game in my playthrough. Right, same for yeah. me. Like, that was the one that I like. Like I said, that was the ending that I got, and it was the first person that I was like, I'm going to do all of your quests. Whatever you say to do, I'm going to do those things. I'm trying to think about minor characters that I would classify as that. I can't think of the blood dude's name something with a v and i just can't remember the guy you meet at the very beginning of the game who ends up being like a oh the white white var yeah 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 or white white bear white faced bear yeah white faced var i like that guy I, that still seems like a little bit of a major character depending on what run you're playing through and he also like gives you some important stuff to like advance to later stages if you want to it's interesting they worked him in as like a character that feeds into the game mechanics because yeah. like it's him, mm-hmm. right? That you you first experience like how multiplayer works, and then you yep. actually need to do that to kind of progress his quest line, which is pretty interesting. That is kind of baked yeah, in. Yeah, you have to raid five people using the bloody finger that you get from him. Like he, yeah, the fact that the mechanics are baked in, and that's the thing about the game: all the mechanics are baked in like that. Mm-hmm. Is there even a? There's got to be a controller list, right? Like of what the buttons do but other than that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think there but is other than that like <laughs> there's some screen tips you know between games which some of them i didn't even understand actually i found out way later mm-hmm. that i wasn't really yeah. switching between one-handed and two-handed fighting in the best way right mm-hmm. right i thought it was like uh you know i was playing on xbox so i thought it was like hold y and hit left bumper and right bumper at the same time but that's not what it was it was saying mm-hmm. hold y and hit left bumper or right bumper but other than that, like the mechanics are hidden. And so like learning, like I need this finger from a character to do a thing like was really cool. And I think the way you learn to use the golden finger was probably on a piece of parchment or something. The game is telling you, but there's not a tutorial for that, which nope. by the way, I completely missed the tutorial cave that other people were like, how could you possibly <laughs> really? miss that? There was a big discussion about it on the internet. And then they changed it so that the like, there was a pop-up later uh, so that it like tells you when you walk by, like jumping down into this cave is going to do a tutorial. I did not do that at all the first time. Wow. I didn't even know until way later when I was looking at a guide somewhere or something 
that said that mm-hmm. and that I had missed a seed or that I didn't miss the seed, but I had missed a, a site of grace that was down there. A lot of people took issue with the tutorial format, right? And that there isn't much of a tutorial. Yeah. I felt like there was enough in that tutorial to kind of learn like the, the controls for the game and stuff like that. That's classic Souls tutorial. Yeah, like that yeah. is the most like... You're a wretched nothing skeleton (laughs) nasty man. You are rising the ranks and you fight your way through a little jail cell and kill your dude. Mm -hmm. And it's like, put on your nasty man helmet. Okay, now you've got a nasty man (laughs) dagger. And, you know, then you come out and you're the Lord of Light. Yeah, that's classic, dude. I think some of my favorite characters were obviously Torrent. Love, (laughs) love the horse. Shout out to Torrent. Yeah, shout out to Torrent. (laughs) Whoever made that horse, whoever fought, <laughs> whoever suits they had to beat the fuck down to say, no, this horse is going to be able to double jump up to a mountaintop if you want. Yeah. I praise that person. I give them all the fucking praise because, <laughs> you know, somebody was like, no, we need a ceiling. We mm-hmm. need to have an invisible. And he was like, fuck you. You put that ceiling in and I walk. That's how I imagine it in my head anyways. Yeah, yeah, go on though. Torrent. Yeah, love, love Torrent and just, uh, yeah, horse combat and just riding mm-hmm. the horse in the game in general. Like, I don't know, it was good like in the in a Ghost oh, of Tsushima way. And so good. 50 times better than Roach in Wild Hunt. I would say better than Ghost of Tsushima just in the fact like that you're flying around double mm-hmm. jumping and like just the sword action, the weapon action as you're flying it, it. Once you got better at it, you quickly realized you would be with your buddies fighting some big boss. And it's like, Oh no, 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 y'all leave. I'll just kick this dude's ass on torrent. <laughs> you know, this is mm-hmm. nothing. I just have to fly around him and swat him in the exactly. face and dodge. Yeah. And I, oh, that horse, best horse ever. Other characters. I like Blythe. I liked uh, iron fist, Alexander, I like oh, Box. Yeah. I thought Box story that quest line was just really cool. What is that one? Kind of unexpected. I don't remember Bach, He was the like the seamster. Hmm. That would alter your clothing, and he would show up at Sites of Grace. I don't know that I ever. I mean, I got stuff to alter my clothes, hmm. but I don't remember seeing a person. Oh shit! <laughs> right. I think at some point I could just do it at the at the main table. Oh my like, god! Like I just noticed it was. It just said, "Oh, you can you can change your clothing here." <gasps> yeah, Bach. He's he's a character you find in a cave in Limgrave, and then you start his quest line. I bet I never found his. Ass. <laughs> I, I never found that dude. He's one of the. Um, I forget what the what the race of creatures is. He kind of looks like oh, he has monkey like features. Never saw that guy. Oh, man. Wow. I'm glad you brought up Alexander. I think that was probably my favorite character overall. He did that classic thing. He had a decent story. Like, he he looks stupid as fuck when you first see him. (laughs) (laughs) Why does a fucking pot have arms and legs? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course I have to stab him or something to make him do a thing. But then as you move on, you just start to learn more about him and that he has kind of a rich backstory especially for a pot with arms and legs and then the way that they incorporate those characters to help you later on i thought was amazing i'd never had a moment like that in a souls game where Mm -hmm. everybody was you just had almost an army you know and everybody's like charge let's go and that was amazing i'm glad you brought that up i I forgot all about that kind of area i don't want to spoil this great Oh, man, he was such a cool character. Think like overconfident warrior. 
Yeah. You know, that, that you kind of question whether or not he could actually prove himself in battle. Yeah. But it has definitely presented himself and as the, you know, the champion of all champions, which I liked about his personality. Yeah, yeah. And he gets um, almost the inevitable outcome of such a thing, too, which is mm-hmm. cool. I love that about the Souls worlds in general is that a lot of the time, most of the time, there's not the best outcome for stuff and for characters and for people. And I think that it's a an important reflection of the world that we live in, too, sometimes. Taking one step back, I think it's amazing that Taylor has played over 300 hours and he never even found Bach, never even went yeah. through Bach's yeah. quest line. Yeah. And same with you, Willie. Like, that's, that's incredible. I had to look it up because I, I was like, what is, what are you talking about? I see the person now. Don't recognize him? No, not at all. I never saw that person <laughs> at all. And I think the reason is because I, I'm looking at it and I think the first time you see him is the coastal cave. And I didn't go to that cave for a very long time. Oh, you know what? I didn't either. I think that's not actually the first time you experience him because I think he's a bush. Oh, that's the, that's the one time. And then I never saw him again after that. Okay. So oh. then it would have been Coastal Cave after that to continue the quest line. Wow. Yeah. But he's the guy in the bush that you find. Yeah. You were there with me the time that I found that bush, actually. Yeah, I was walking yeah. by and you hear that that's voice true. just like calling, <laughs> calling out. out for some reason. <laughs> oh, and God. then you like, yeah, go to the bush and he runs away. He ends up running away. I love away. that. I love those types of those types of quests <laughs> where you just hear somebody going, hey, hey, Over here. yeah. And you're like, OK, surely they'll be dead in no time. I'm just going to slowly go my, on my way. And they just keep and, and finally you just say, OK, I'm going to go check it out. Jesus, what do you want? Hmm, the honorable mentions for me are Master Hewig, who's at the roundtable hold, uh, Blacksmith, nice. basically, and War Counselor E.G., I don't know, just his voice, whoever did the voiceover and his like his size, I think is really cool. Who is that? Uh, he's the guy that's up by Carrion Manor. He's like the big tr- uh, troll, right? They're trolls? Oh, I gotcha. I think they're trolls. Yeah. He's, one of the, he's the guy that's sitting down and he's like huge and he's just like hammering. Okay, he's also a blacksmith. Yeah. Got you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that one yeah, is very He's cool. over in the creepy lands. Yeah. He's, he's got the like shiny, just like full face helmet on. Yep. But yeah, he was awesome. I liked him. And then uh, Melania, I thought she's a total badass. Yeah. The the cutscene for her and this whole like Melania, Mikola connection, the fact that it's so mysterious still. I really yeah. hope that the DLC has some like information and lore about Mikola and, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, and those character designs for those, like the humanoid bosses and stuff that you fight are really good i thought they did a great job of not making them like sometimes in a game that is so much fantasy and so many gigantic creatures sometimes you kind of lose that element of beauty and grandiose with the smaller bosses when you're fighting a a more humanoid boss or something like that and i thought they did a great job of just making the outfits look amazing and their move sets really did a good job of like flourishing any cool hanging like garments that they had or anything it was i could probably go and watch some of that shit at half speed and just get a lot of joy out of just watching all the animations and all the artwork happening in there it's beautiful we've talked a lot about game mechanics already but before we like officially jump into that deeply i'm just curious from each of you what was one like the 
one of the most hated fucking creatures in Elden Ring. I don't know what those things were called, but the uh, things with multiple legs that shot out the spines at you. The bunch of those things. Yeah. They, oh, I hated when those oh. were in a group and they kept doing that thing. What's that thing called? Pest something. It's because I have that incantation. It's great. Oh, I like a millipede that stands up. They're disgusting. It's got the oh. staff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I hate those. Uh, I don't remember what those are called. The incantation is pest threads. I'm pretty sure. It mimics mm-hmm. their like shooting of those things, but I don't remember what what that thing is called. But I hate those. Yeah, they'll mess you up. I almost, I almost always like stealth killed them, backstabbed them. I would say for me is the hands. Oh, yeah, oh, the hands sure. were disgusting yeah. and scary, <laughs> and they would drop on. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Whoever, yeah. just as I want to give a wonderful gift basket to the torrent person, I want to give a gift basket full of face slaps, just medium face slaps <laughs> to the person that <laughs> that's uh, cool. putting those hands everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those hands that comes out and face slaps them. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Those finger spiders are, I forget oh. exactly what they're called, but I'm just going to call them finger spiders, but they are some of the, they're mo- probably the most creepy thing in the whole game. The one in the gap in the mountaintop where you're having to jump across the gap either on foot or oh, on torrent, and it looks like yeah. you can barely make it, and there's a big one that yeah. comes. <laughs> Fuck you. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Savagery. I hate you. Whoever did that, I hate you. For me, it would be the Revenant. That's what I was going to say next. Oh. Those are things I would run away from and just attempt not to fight. Was that the dude on the horseback? Like the No. Those are the- no, they're the ones that come out of the ground. Oh, the creepy. Yeah. And they can just like transport and come up right next to you. Oh, yeah. The shack, shack men. They, at no, midnight, no. Every These things are like creepy. They look like they're wearing a oh, crown. No. They're creepy witch like things that have multiple arms that crawl out from underneath the ground. I remember the name. Let me see here. There's Let a bunch in, in the Hallig oh, no, tree at awful. the bottom, but there's also some just randomly mm-hmm. spread across the world. I, also gotcha. hated those things until I finally started using like healing magic on them. Until I finally started yeah. using like Lord's Prayer or whatever. Like Lord's, Lord's heal. heal, yeah. To yes. like yeah. to just kill those things as quickly as I could. Dude, the one that's right before that giant ladder. Remember there's the part where there's a huge ladder that you have to run over to and there's one of these guys off to the side. So when you run to that ladder, it alerts him and as you're barely climbing up the ladder it's running over to you and starts swatting. And could uh-huh. you, if you have one single misstep, like if you even turn and look and you say, oh, that's one of those, you're not going to make it up the ladder. It's just going to fuck your world up. There was one in the Shady Castle that was a fucking nightmare for me. Oh. But um, the white dogs, mm. fuck the white dogs. Because yep. they were like, they would one hit you, man. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> they, would, they would kill Torrent with a single hit too. And then they would just like one shot you. And then um, the fucking lobsters, dude. The lobsters with like this infinite shot and like the distance <laughs> which lobsters can yep. hit you. I hated. Yep. They had a sprint or something. They had some sort of super sprint. It was like acid or spit or something or water that they would shoot out. And it just like the range of it was ridiculous. Yeah, there were some under the capital that I remember. Oh, right. It was terrible to try to like run by. Oof. I didn't kill that one because there was something down there that I didn't get that you got really. And I don't remember what it was. I, I'm going to guess it's one of the shackles. I think it was the shackle for um, 
Oh, for the Lord of Blood. Got for it. that fight. Looks like some of the revenants have different faces. Well, maybe like there's one that has like a baby face <laughs> or something. That's awful. Yeah. Whoever, if that's <laughs> yeah, photoshopped. Don't look at the details, man. Don't. Oh my God. Yeah, you find some stills. That's how I felt about the finger creeper oh. every time I saw that thing and just like noticing extra stuff on it. And like it's yeah. basically two hands almost overlaid each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And they yeah, like come on. Yeah. towards you. And yeah, the big one sucked. Fire. Fire is good against those. If you encounter those in a carrying manner or like up on Mount Gilmir. Running is also <laughs> your friend. Torrent. Just go ahead yes. and run. Hop on torrent. Use some of those iframes. Yeah. Run to a sunny place. I remember what those other things are called. Not remembered, but look them up. They're the lesser kindred of rot or something like that. Those like the centipede, centipede type things. I, I really do hate those things so much. They're called pests, also known as lesser kindred of rot. Okay. And they're white and they have like a kind of like cardinal style yeah, hat or something. something on them. And it's weird that a bug is wearing a hat. That's, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just all creepy. Yeah. Give me a horn tooting mush, uh, marshmallow man anytime. Yeah. <laughs> over all that stuff. <laughs> There's some, yeah. some of those in bad positions that really fucked you up on the Halleck tree, though. Oh, yeah. What a character. <laughs> <laughs> Just blowing the bubbles yeah. at you. Like, oh, gosh. That oh, is yeah. one of my favorite Souls things. Is that they will embrace stupidity in a way that nobody else will. I mean, you would have a producer and be like, we can't have this. No marshmallow man twirling around uh-huh, tooting a horn. A horn. <laughs> it's, so, it's so extra. I love it. I think I have two other hated characters real fast because they were early on. Well, one of them was anyway. One is just the, any of the like flying hawk eagles, like the warhawk or the bladed talon eagle. Oh. Those things were fucking me <laughs> yeah. up so bad early on in Stormfell Castle when I like went around the edge onto the cliffs. The ones with the explosive barrels, Those right? also suck. Just the ones with the bladed claws, though. Yeah, that's true. Early on when I had low low health and I was using a sorcerer, like, I, they were too fast. Like, I couldn't get off magic quick enough to stop them from hitting me. And I died right. numerous times trying to mess around in that section, trying to go find stuff that wasn't even really that great. I just didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. You're just not America enough <laughs> to enjoy those evenings. <laughs> yeah. And then the the other thing were the harpies. I don't know what they actually were called, but the harpy-like creatures mm. that are chanting. Sometimes there's a couple of those when they're in pairs that suck. Yeah, there's some over uh, in Kalid where you kind of run through that corridor and there's like four of them mm-hmm. kind of staggered. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I love that song though. Yeah. There's a lot of good NPC music. There's the, um, I guess we'll, maybe we'll get into that, but like the, you know, just all the singing characters, oh, yeah. like the ones, uh, that, that amazing video where the guy has got himself on the green screen. He goes over and starts dancing <laughs> with the ladies. I think I shared that with y'all at some point. He's like, I, I don't recognize the streamer, but he's, it's him in the corner and he like, backs up and he starts dancing with the village ladies oh, and like yeah. dancing oh. and laughing and shit. And he's like giggling with them. He's like, hee, like, Oh, okay. So up by the yeah, windmill, the, the windmill village. Yeah. 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 That, that might be one of the best like clips of video that I've seen in a long time. Nice. That's yeah. probably in top five of anything ever. Just like that dude's joy of like being able to dance with them and how he was mm-hmm. doing his own dance. First discovery of that area was kind of creepy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, like, it's are a, they going oh, to yeah. attack? 
And there's that creepy laugh. And it was just close enough to where that eye, like the giant eye of Sauron thing that would kill you. It was close enough to that still that I was in that village thinking, man, that eye is going to be able to see me again all of a sudden. (laughs) Murder me. All right. So we've talked yeah, we've already talked about a couple of game mechanics, but let's talk about some of our favorites or or just them in general. Combat. I I think that reigns supreme. And there's so many different... I think just characteristics of the combat in this game, like being able to two-hand weapons, being able to two-hand a shield, being able to dual wield the same weapon and just like power stance your way through. Mm-hmm. Spirit Ash is really fun and super, super helpful if you're playing with Spirit Ashes. I know there are a lot of people that didn't play with any kind of summoning, which is, seems insane to me same. of like how you can finish this game because you can literally have builds in this game that make boss fights very very difficult some bosses are easier with with magic builds and other bosses are easier with like a melee build being able to go through the whole game with just a single build and never have co-op players or never summon spirit ashes seems like incredibly difficult uh ashes of war were also pretty kick-ass and being able to put those on different blades and just like have different abilities and there's so many of them but love that uh what about you guys yeah, the thing about ashes is there's so many the ashes of war. There's so many of them that like I know I haven't seen. So, oh, gosh, I, there's yeah. so many things I haven't seen in the game, and I just stuck with the yeah. things that I found kind of early on that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And some of them aren't necessarily ashes, but they're just I guess they are like ashes of war, but they're tied to specific weapons, and you can't remove them, right? Right. Like I have a I think there's a thing called the blade knife or the black knife. That has a blade of death on it where you use like your character mm-hmm. hops up in the air and throws like a red spiritual blade like at stuff. Like I love that one. That's one of the spirit ashes that I really dig. And then just recently I found um I don't know how you say it. it's called the regalia of Echo Chat or Echo Kite or something like that. I'm not sure. I haven't actually heard it said out loud. It's mm-hmm. a long sword that has something called the Echo Chat or Echo Kide's like dancing blade. And, like, when you thrust, it, like, sends out the blade in front of you, and it just, like, slashes a few times and then comes back to you in that same sort of red spiritual manner, whatever. Like, that thing Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And I just found that. It's like the bell, the bell bearing uh, homeboy. Yeah. With, like, he throws the blade out, and it kind of, like, swings around and then, like, returns like a boomerang. It's, like, similar to that. Nice. Yeah, that thing is is cool. I just found that recently. But again, I think going back to the, like the game mechanics, the game doesn't tell you. There's just some weird stuff. Like I know this is not, this is not groundbreaking or anything, but just the fact that like you know when you're using your, uh, what is it? It's your quick inventory, but I don't know what it's actually called. The pouches. What is it? Or the other side, the pouches or the the main kind of inventory slots. Uh, the pouches, I guess. It's the, you know, the main four slots that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's your where you put your equipment, right? In the bottom section or whatever. Yeah, like main yeah, slots. So, like, the fact that, like, you can put whatever you really like in the first slot and be anywhere in your menu and then go back to that first slot just by holding down on the directional pad instead of, like, cycling to it is, like, not groundbreaking. It's, like, that makes sense. But, like, you wouldn't know how to do that really 
unless you did it by accident or someone told you to do it. Mm-hmm. I haven't played enough from software games to know if that happens all the it's time. from other yeah. games. I definitely found out about that in a video on YouTube where it was like, hey, 25 things to know. Yep. And that was one of them. And it was like, it's a thing that can be life or death for sure in the game is like cycling yep. through your equipment and looking for your flask. But yeah, being able to hold down, you can also in the top slot, you can hold yeah, up yeah. and it'll, it'll jump to the first slot in that one too, which is pretty badass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. Those kind of things like that you just don't learn unless you've been playing for a while or hear someone else say it. It's wild that that's not somewhere in a tutorial, but that's always been there. Mm-hmm. The sort of MO for their games is like, you just have to figure it all out. Or go online and look yeah, it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, to that conversation earlier, like there's nothing, there's a whole debate about, yeah, using Spirit Ashes or not, but like you do whatever you got to do to enjoy the game. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. have fun with it. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. There's definitely a part of me that would prefer to finish Elden Ring than like never use Spirit Ashes or summing anything and then just never finish the game. Absolutely, man. There's enough going against you. Um, yeah at any point to not finish a game anyways don't i don't need to make it like i'm not so good and so like robust with time that i need to make that shit even more difficult Mm -hmm. no i think it was a fantastic feature of the game to like be able to summon like this variety of spirit ashes and they had different strengths they had different weaknesses different you know heights in which they could attack and like i thought that was just fucking totally badass yeah, And it's like I'd a part of the game that allows you to, it just lets you customize your build even further. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a, too much of a spoiler. I guess we already said we were doing spoilers, but I feel like once I found the Mimic uh, Ash, that was all I used. <laughs> <laughs> like I never used another one because I guess I was already on a, like this journey to basically create a super powerful character. And I did that, I guess, with my ideal build and everything. And then I found a thing that allowed me to double that and just have that as a partner ruining. It just was a a killer. I I never encountered anything that me and that that mimic couldn't murder together. Yeah. And to be clear, the the mimic ash is like one of the mimics in the sort of underground section, like turns into other things, right? Like you battle yourself. It's like a ball, a silver blob of energy that turns into you. And you have to fight T-1000. it. T one thousand, exactly. <laughs> T one thousand, shit. Totally yeah. like Dark Link. Yeah. Yep. But yourself, like whoever you are, it's like the dark version of yourself. Yeah, and you fight yourself, and then after you fight yourself, you get that Spirit Ash, and so then you summon a copy of yourself and whatever build you have. Yeah, to have that with you is pretty powerful. I did use that for quite a while, but I think there were a couple that that were mm. better for my build because I was mostly sorcerer. And I wasn't controlling what the sorcerer was doing. It was kind of hard sometimes to like to get it to do the thing I needed it to do. So I would summon things that were more melee based so I could stay at sorcery and they could melee. Once I understood how that mechanic was working, that you could um, control what they had. Like you said, you can't get granular enough. Maybe you could. Maybe maybe you could just have the spell that you want them to be able to cast equipped. There were ways to do it and you could play it. And if there was somebody that was difficult enough, like that um that crazy fox, the giant fox or whatever that was underground, things like that, I wasn't scared to cut some corners, yeah. <laughs> make my guy a little more <laughs> badass or whatever. It was funny if you were using that uh I was using mostly the uh 
sword of Milos and um, the uh, the blood sword. I forget the name of it. Oh, right. Yeah, we talked about it. With all the arms all over it. Yeah. yeah what was um, that one? Yeah, I get it from uh, Praetor Rikard. It's like the sword of yeah. savagery or, or, oh, man. Yeah, it just escapes me. There's also so many weapons. <laughs> so many weapons in this game. Yeah, that too. But if, if like the tier or the mimic has that and I have that and we're both doing right. the fire in an X over something, it's over. Right. It is over because it's it's like staggering the shit out of them and also burning them and and giving me health. It's oh man, blasphemous blade, blasphemous there we blade. Go. There we go. Yeah, I like the strategy of trying to choose like the right spirit ash combination with like you or build. Yes. Like, I thought that was fun, and it changes from boss to boss, or just just like a, a you know a group of enemies didn't even have to be a boss because there's some tough shit out there that isn't bosses, yeah, yeah, that aren't bosses that you could still get your ass kicked easily. The game it rewarded you when you link the stuff together correctly, either on your own build or mimic or whatever. Man, it rewarded you so well. It just felt like it lumped it on. It was like, oh, you're doing good now, and you're gonna see that you're doing good. One thing I was just thinking about is that all three of us had different builds. I was a dex build. Taylor, you were strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Willie was, you know, magic based. Yeah, it was int. Which is pretty badass. Because when we played together, it really helped. That way. It, it really helped us defeat some bosses because Willie's, you know, fighting at ranged and casting. And I'm up there with like Moonvale or the Uchi Katana or Rivers of Blood slashing away. And then Taylor's like, using the huge weapons that I don't even have enough strength to wield. Yeah. The ultra swords and um, what I love on there. Well, yeah, that dragon breath. breath. Yes. Yeah. The rot breath was a spam. What I also liked was the dual shield. Like you talked about it earlier, how you could dual wield things like being able to dual hand the, you know, one of the most powerful shields, right? Just because you're strength based. That was awesome. Cause like you're saying on our builds, you're up there kind of defenseless, you know? So for me, it was easy to go up behind it, whack it with the shield, two-hand it, and then that gives you all the time you need to kind of whack away at it before he pulls aggro again. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful seeing all that stuff work together. General mechanics-wise, I really like, I do like the system of like runes for leveling. I wish there was some way to calculate how many runes, how many levels you've lost <laughs> over the course wow, of the game. Yeah. Just because you know <laughs> it's so many. Idea. Yeah, like total runes lost if it was just a number of those. Oh, man, just on a, on the load screen <laughs> after you die. It's just like lifetime. Oh, that, they need to add that badly. Just put like a scrolling, like how many times you've died, how many yeah, runes sure. you've lost. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. I do wish it had the level of stats, like the detail and the stats like Red Dead 2 has, where you can see like number of headshots. You can see like how many enemies of a certain type killed. You can see how many times you like fell to your death. Like that would be awesome in that game. But even just like a simple death counter would be rad. For now, I'm sure people will depend on a mod or something to do that. That sounds like a very moddy thing to have. Just Mm -hmm. a running list of, of good stuff. One of the things that I really didn't like about the sort of inventory management was like the golden runes. Like when you were thinking about leveling and you needed to like pop some runes to get more runes and, you know, level is that you'd like never necessarily knew how like a golden rune three, like what's that worth? 
no fucking idea. Like, unless you're at a vendor selling them, you don't know. Yeah. But if you're just sitting at a random campfire or a site of grace, you have to either look it up or you have to, like, just remember what they are. And there's golden runes 1 through 11, 12. Like 12, dude. And then there's a hero rune and a whatever, a, a something else rune and, like, whatever. And it's like, yep. some of those are worth 20,000. Some are worth 200. It's like, I know that the lowest one is probably 200, which was the one. But beyond that, I don't really remember the numbering system. You just had to memorize yeah. it. After all these Souls games, they've never just added a pop all of these button. <laughs> that is probably one of my few small nitpicks about it is that you're already going to dedicate a shit ton of time to this game. Like it's just a given. It's an amazing game. You don't have to gotcha people into it or anything. I feel like they could do a lot of quality of life stuff on there like that. Just let me press, let me select all of those stacks, knowing that I'm going to pop all of them and do it. You know what I mean? It's so simple, but I probably spent two hours of the 300 hours or whatever the playing just popping stuff and just managing mm-hmm. things like that. And it gets to be a little frustrating, but it's again, it's a super small nitpick because out of 300 hours, if you spent two hours doing that, that's not that big of a deal. I guess if you've never played the game, Willie brought this up that there is a system in which you can level up with runes, which you acquire by defeating enemies. And then you can level up at different sites of grace, which are essentially checkpoints or um, I guess campfires and the other Souls games. And if you die before you have leveled up, you will lose, you will drop all of those runes and you have one chance to get them back. But if you die a second time, then those runes are gone forever. But they just kind of sit in place wherever you died. You drop them. You can go and recover them. And it's like kind of frustrating because where you can drop them sometimes because it can be really difficult to get back to them. But more impossible. Yeah, more impossible. <laughs> sometimes you fall off a cliff and it saves it on like a sub cliff of that cliff. <laughs> yeah. I love that it made it kind of made you fear death in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it really changed and it made you strategize and it changed your route or it changed when you did a specific thing because you had like 80,000 runes that you, you know, there's a high likelihood of you dying and you didn't want to lose those. So then you would like backtrack and then go try to level up first and then come back with like no runes so that when you die, there's like no risk. Well, it's funny because it made you fear death, but it also made you get over the fear of that death too, right? Mm hmm. You would eventually become so saturated with like those situations of lost runes that eventually you just say, I don't, I don't really care. I'm just going to go try that again. This time I'm going to beat that dude's ass. And you stop, you kind of stop caring about the runes at some point and you just start having them and using them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're really going. I mean, I think at all three of our levels, Willie, I think you said you're 177. Yeah. yeah 176, 177. Yeah, yeah. I was 174. Taylor, I can imagine, is probably a little higher than those. But at that level, you need like 250,000 runes to like level up anymore. I think mine might be around a million now or something. (laughs) Mine's a pretty insane amount. You got to kill the bird a lot of times (laughs) to level up. Yeah, I'm looking at mine right now. Or from 176. At level 176, it was like 224,000. No. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. 224,567. Oh, okay. I'm not that bad. I'm 337,000 to level Gosh, up. And that's yeah, level that's 208. 
Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I got to get swole. I like my guy to be that Terry Crews level of swole. Nice. Yeah, I don't mess around with anything less. Cheeseburger Eddie. I don't want like Christian Bale uh, just got swole for this role. I want like this dude got swole for the role of life. Uh, this is kind of switching directions, but Rainbow Stones. Loved Rainbow Stones. Once I learned that you can use those to gauge height and like drops that you could survive. I like kept those in my inventory for, I would say, probably 70% of the game, especially when just like traversing like the different, you know, the the lands between and just trying to drop down from ledges and stuff. I use rainbow stones all the time. Y'all definitely told me about those. Was there, a, did you learn that from a video too, or did you figure that out at some point? I found it in the video and then um, I think it might be a part of other Souls games or something similar. Yeah, that's an old Souls mechanic. Back in the days, it might still be like this, but if you had to drop down in a super dark a or black cave full of giants, <laughs> you had to find the right spot to drop, drop down. So you would drop it and you have to listen. And then I, I think if you if you heard it, then you could drop. Or How, how does that work? If you heard it, you, crack, it'll, it'll you crack, die. like shatter. Okay, okay. And then you can see them because they emit like a, a, like a small glow. Oh. Okay. So if they remained intact, they would also be glowing. Yeah. Another little thing was the white souls. Like when you die, you see that little like gasp of whites. Not when you die, but when you kill enemies, that's how you know that they're going to drop something is that little bitty white animation of souls that kind of escapes their body. And I think it made gameplay faster because you didn't have to stick around after every kill to like try to see if they drop something. Catching on to that, I think was awesome and just kind of sped up the gameplay and was like that perfect quality of life thing that i like in games that don't slow you down as much i don't think it was till i was reading through some of the notes that i even like noticed that that i paid attention to that that actually signified that they were going to drop a thing i just sort of felt like i always saw it but that isn't the case it just happened to be the times i noticed it yeah that was so helpful especially if you're like on the move on the move yeah also love that you could pick up items from Torrent in mid-gallop, like in a, the Ghost yeah. of Tsushima way, not in the Red Dead way, where you have to like... Oh my God. You have to get off the horse. Go through an animation. You have to like go through a short animation. Cough, cough some blood. Yeah. <laughs> then he grabs it. I got a pocket of herb in my satchel. <laughs> you got to cut it. Yeah. I don't yeah. like the puffy stuff. And he picks it off one by one. Yeah. Right. Wow, <laughs> he killed it. He yeah. killed it. That's perfect quality of life feature for me and mm-hmm. the sense that you don't have to see something a billion fucking times and it also doesn't slow you down so much. They did a great job on things like that, on really streamlining, which also is what surprised me, like I said about the runes earlier, is things like that. It surprises me that they kind of cling to those things while they're still willing clearly right, right. to streamline other stuff. Maybe they'll get there eventually. I mean, it's this like might be heart. a whole new leaf for them. What's that? I was going to say it's just like at the heart of their games, you know, like yeah. souls and runes. It's like it's such a big part of the way Absolutely. they design these games. Dude, and it can't be a light decision, I'm sure, to say, okay, we're going to forego this uh, this typical design for our stuff and do something new. I'm sure it was super exciting and they had played the game, so they knew it was going to be badass. But I'm sure there was some element of are we going to wreck our community or people going to be mad because we've made this kind of mainstream, but it seemed like overwhelmingly uh, people loved all of those changes and that's cool. That's really cool. Especially nowadays. I think when people can 
glom on so much to bullshit, hate over petty stuff. Elden Ring brought us together. Yeah, for sure. You guys want to move on to just general art direction and graphics in the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My overview, to put it uh, in simple terms, I would say the graphics are not the best ever, but they're really good. You've just described a Souls game, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's how I felt about every single one, is that these are not the best graphics I've seen at X time, whatever time you're living in, uh, you know, gaming-wise or otherwise. But they work. They work perfectly for what they set out to do. It's uh, very similar to what Nintendo does to me in that they don't have the strong hardware. They don't have some badass X or, you know, 5 or whatever. She's like, here's this little Samsung phone almost thing <laughs> that you can hold and play. But yet they push the art design as far as they can with that. And they make it work and they make it successful and wildly successful. And that's what Souls games do. They have this weird thing where when you look off into the distance, there's a beauty to it. It delivers the art like it should. But there's also a slight translucence to certain pixelation. And you can tell how some things are kind of curtained over other things. But it doesn't hurt it. In the end... You still feel like you're taking in the Rembrandt that you're looking at. It's just delivered in the way that they can for it to be smooth and have the frame rate and the 4K and the, all this stuff working together, DLSS. And, you know, they probably have some element of ray tracing in there. I'm not sure. I've never looked into it, but the lighting is amazing. They played that dance perfectly to deliver like the art and everything and just have it look incredible, yet still functional, really, really functional. When I was like, hey, these aren't the best graphics ever, I was still surprised at moments in the game where it did kind of blow me away for a second. And it just like was really beautiful. And I was like, wow, mm -hmm. like that is like exceeding my, just like the standard I set for this game. There were moments within the game where it just exceeded that. Dude, yep, absolutely. So that, that was really cool. And the boss designs are fucking amazing. That's where yeah. it really shines is when it, when you see those details, whether it's the, the 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 video of it before, you know, that's the setup for it, or while you're fighting, those details, mind yeah. blowing. Yeah, I was just saying, I think there are two things there, which is like just the expanse of everything is pretty awesome. Going to stand at the top of one of the towers and just like look at everything and be like, mm -hmm. oh, I was down there earlier. And again, the graphics aren't <laughs> that great yeah. when you're doing that, but like you were like, oh, I can see like every place around the map that I've been so far. And it does feel like the view gets a little distorted, like the distance, the scaling gets a little weird in some cases. Yeah. But it's also still really cool just to be able to see at all, just to be like, oh, that's literally the starting point, you know? Yeah, I like that too. The depth and the, uh, the atmospheric perspective. And the character draw distance was surprising, too. I noticed that with characters like the Golden Knights uh, that were riding, you know, like the horseback Golden Knights, you would mm -hmm. see them from a fucking mile off, oh, <laughs> literally, true, and just true. know, all right, I need to go the other direction unless I'm ready to get wrecked. That is true. You could see things from pretty far off. Mm -hmm. And we're already loaded in the game, which is nice. Yeah. Taylor, you mentioned cutscenes for a second. Love the cutscenes. Oh. I think I love them so much. They they look beautiful, and I think they're well 
they're well rendered and designed. But I also love that you don't experience very many in the gameplay. So it's like when you get to one, it really is like a special scene because you, there aren't very many in the game. Yeah, it's an oasis for sure where you're just like, you can take a breather and then you get to experience this crazy art and cinematic design that they have behind all this. And then you experience the rush of like, oh my God, this thing just transformed into a giant whatever and I'm about to have to fight it. So you're like gripping the controller and kind of sweating a little bit because you know that shit's about to get real. And if you're watching the cinematic, then you probably haven't fought the boss yet. So, or or someone there with you hasn't. So there's going to be that extra element of kind of sheer excitement. Like we're about to, we're about to do this with a real big nasty. I'm going to talk for a moment, but I'm not going to say anything of substance because there's a garbage truck outside. So I'm just going to keep talking until they go away. (laughs) And then I'll answer what Taylor just said. But I feel like they're taking forever now. Well, don't don't forget what you're going to say. And I'll mention um, the first time I was kind of blown away by the cutscene graphics in the game was when you get to Godric the Grafted and you're in between phase one and phase two. And the like dragon scene in that boss fight, the the like mid phase two cutscene was just like, oh shit. And then also the yeah, refresh <laughs> just Godric. Godric, what's up? What refresh me on that one? I don't think I don't think that'd be a bad spoiler. That's a pretty early boss, right? Godric, he's in the uh, Stormvale Castle. But I mean the the dragon. Yeah, yeah. Go through the uh, trans transformation because I'm trying to remember exactly what that transformation was. Oh yeah, so you get to phase two, and then there's a moment where he's like summoning the the power of this dragon that's like a, a dragon corpse that's like nearby, and he basically rips the head off this dragon. Yeah, I mean he grafts it to his arm, which is why <laughs> yeah, he grafts it to his grafted. arm. <laughs> Godric the grafted, yeah, he grafts it to his arm, and then like right before phase two starts back up you get this much wider perspective, like the camera zooms out and then he's just like standing in the middle of this like bridge, this passageway. And like he puts his arm, dragon head grafted arm up into the sky and it's just like, what? And it was just like mind blowing. But that was the first time I was like, okay. That was an amazing one. And he was already grafted, right? Like he's yeah, a tree he's got or part tree or something. Yeah, yeah. On him. He, this dude has a problem with grafting mm-hmm. for sure. You got to be careful around somebody like that who will just graft anything into themselves. Well, and it's a bunch of arms too, right? Besides that. Right. That's the thing. Again, back to the lore. If you go into the lore of people who are grafted, there's a reason that they're doing that. And there's like a process that's important to them. It's basically sort of sacred. I I don't exactly remember, but it's like there's a level of um, authority that comes with the number of grafts that you have on you. And it's wow. like, mm-hmm. oh man! And the fact that he has so many things, and yeah, he just grafts a dragon head onto his arm for that fight is wild to me. It was wild. I think that it speaks to to in general, right? Like you said it earlier, Joey. But the enemy design is just so great, and we alluded to it earlier that they're just like, let's just put whatever we can together. The thing about the enemies Anything. is they're like they're so unique compared to everything. Like, you might be playing in another fantasy game and see the, like, typical orcs and trolls and stuff and, you know, whatever goblins might exist. And that's just not, I mean, there are trolls in this game, right? But they're a little different. But then everything else 
is like just so weird and so like finely detailed too. And it's their own. They make it their own. Like even if it's a piece of lore that's from other pieces of lore, it ain't like this. <laughs> they don't do it like this. And it, it made me think for a second before I lose this thought, and I don't want, to, want you to lose your thought, but I would love to see someday just a big chart of all of the fucking from bosses. I'm talking Bloodborne, <laughs> all the souls, yeah. just a chart of like 3D models of them. That would be cool. That Dude, that rotate. would be incredible. Yeah. If it exists, somebody let me know because <laughs> I would love I'll that. I'll look it up here in a second. Willie, I know you've played uh, Batman Arkham Knight. Oh, yeah. There's like the collection of costumes in Arkham Knight that you can like really zoom in on and twist around and like basically rotate the way you want. If Elden Ring had something like that, that would be rad. But I would love that. There's way too much equipment in the game to like literally build everything into that. Well, what if they did it like Skyrim? I hate that more people don't just have the like, well, they don't have a loading screen for one. I guess that could be problematic is everything's instantaneous. Well, Mm -hmm. I guess that breaks that. So like a museum of equipment and weapons would be sweet in the game. Well, when I was just thinking uh, where I was going with that thought a second ago, was like, what if the future of from games was some sort of dark souls or Elden ring infinite where you could like create your own maps, levels, things like that. Imagine the trillions of hours of like replayability that would have, because they have such a deep lore, so much art to pull from, such a just huge following and the people that follow it follow it so deeply the lore to the biggest fans is everything like that lore is 100% what they're there for and they will beat that game relentlessly for hours to find out that lore and to get to the bottom of that story and to get all of that and to imagine those people becoming like the D and D masters or what, what's it called? The uh, like a dungeon master. Yeah. The dungeon master, like to have those people kind of uh, take the reins and be able to make their own build worlds. And yeah, I don't want to go too far off, but man, that I just had an image of that. That would be nuts, man. And it would be just because you could just, I mean, and you could let people maybe get nasty, maybe let people put a bunch of arms and stuff on on their bosses that they're. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I'm thinking like the Mario, Uh, the Mario uh, level builders. Yes, yeah, yeah. Elden Ring had that, and you had just access to all the different enemies in the game. Like there would be unbeatable player built (laughs) worlds and bosses and enemy sets that you would not be able to conquer. Oh my God. You go in and it's just 15, (laughs) like as many bosses as your, uh, you know, 40, 90 can handle all Uh ray tracing off of each other. Oh Uh my God. I started looking up 3d models of Elden ring characters, which people have like, Oh, 3d printed stuff. So you can find some, I bet some of it's horror. Uh, Sure. Uh, Yeah. Always (laughs) Always <laughs> with 3D printing, there's like a steep learning curve, but there are obviously people who are doing it well. And then one of yeah. the first things though that I noticed is that there is a 3D model of uh of the player. Let me solo her. Someone someone oh, wow. made that character with of the course. you know no clothes, no armor, just a jar on their head, That's holding cool. two katanas. The grand <laughs> grand shepherd, yeah. yes. <laughs> there's That's some really awesome. cool painting like painted models of it that look really good that's awesome 
that's what I mean by the fan, the fandom of these games is mm-hmm. like, it's so deep and it's so many people that are already artists in their own rights and like amazing lorists or whatever, you know, that's a lorist. I don't even know if that's a real thing. I know a florist is a thing, but Loris, I like that. That works for me. I feel like that's actually for real though, too. I like that. Maybe it's not. No, uh, this, no, this no. thing says a lorist is a person who studies epics. So sure. Yeah, that oh, yeah, sounds yeah, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I... Okay, cool. But anyways, we're... Uh, so nobody say anything about our from uh, venture <laughs> here because that's got to be on the down low. We're going to make that work. Yeah, without going too far off track, and I don't know a lot about it, but there is... Uh, <laughs> they did build an Elden Ring mod for for like D&D 5e. They have their own role-playing game, actually. Hmm. Oh. I don't know if it's actually based on the 5e system. It's built on something else that has similar things but i don't think it's exactly the same uh, but they did it and people didn't really like it that much like it's kind of okay but it's it's kind of also there's too much and too chunky and it's broken according to what i had seen very briefly about it so i never like tried uh, that sounds like the probable outcome of something like that anyways so all right well wasn't there a board game where we was that passing passing along a message yeah recently? with meg and barbara Huh. Yeah, oh, they're kickstarting an Elden Ring board game. Oh, that's going to do okay. I have the Dark Souls board game that I got years ago. Oh. And I don't know if it's the same people who are making it. I feel like it's probably mm-hmm. not. But um, yeah, I, I signed up for that to be notified when that Kickstarter. No, because this is by Steamed Forge Games, and I don't think they did the Dark Souls one. Man, too bad we never played that. I don't even know if I ever knew you have Oh, that. it is by Steamed Forge Games. Somehow I just didn't know. Yeah, I almost thought about it like right before y'all moved because I felt like at that point you would have, now that you knew enough about From Software, yeah, you'd be yeah, like, oh yeah. yeah, we should check that out. Yeah, I probably would have. Have you played it? No, not really. Only when I bought it. I've gotten it out of the box a couple of times and mm-hmm. I played it before I bought it. I went through a demo when gotcha. I bought it. And then I've like gotten it out to look at all the miniatures that are in it because they're awesome. And then read some of the rules and was like, man, no one's ever going to want to play this with me. So <laughs> and like Barbara <laughs> yeah. and I, every time we sit down, we're like, uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Cause the instruction book is, you know, it's huge. That's like, that's the demise of a lot of board yeah. games. I, I've pulled out multiple with Eric. He had some cool ass looking games, but you would pull it out and then you'd unfold and you unfold the board and it unfolds eight ways. And then you unfold the instructions and it's 76 pages and it's dense and the text is small. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes For you sure, just fold yeah. that shit back up and put it up. Maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but we actually almost gave Taylor the Dark Souls board game for like Christmas or something one time. Really? We were like, we're never <laughs> oh, nice. going to play this shit. It's not going to happen. It had already been like, it's been years, man, since we've, since we got that. Right. And then I was like, there's no way Taylor's going to play this either. Like, it's, it's just going <laughs> to sit at his house. So I was like, fuck it. Oh, I, one day man. I'm going to play this game. Best so call. I was like, at the yeah. very least, I'm going to paint the miniatures at some point. Oh, yeah. Might as well keep it. Oh, yeah. And, and we could do it on a video call or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll play my character. <laughs> remotely? Yeah, remotely. I mean, we could totally do it. That. I could set it up to make that happen because I think it would be fun to play. It does have some cool mechanics mm-hmm. as far as, like, it, getting back to the games, like, you know, everything's based on either your health, right? Or your, like your vigor or your FP yeah, or your stamina, right? You have mm-hmm. the stamina mechanic in that board game so that you only have 
so much stamina on your bar. You can increase it, but like with each action you do, you have to take a block of stamina away. And if you run out of stamina and you can't block a character that's attacking you, you can't block because you have no stamina. So you're going to take more damage than if you had saved your stamina. (laughs) So like each attack you do takes a, you know, set amount, like one or two or three, and you get to choose how much stamina you're going to use. And so you're sort of just trying to find the right balance in each encounter. It's familiar. It's it's the game. <laughs> yeah, it is the game. I, I totally had glazed over the uh, HP, FP, and stamina bars, but I love the balance in this game. Yeah. Oh, Even yeah. if you're blocking your stamina regions like at a slower pace, right? So like if you just continue to like sit there with a shield blocking, like eventually you will be punished by the game. Sometimes real quick, depending on the yep. on the character, like some of them just drain you instantly. You may get one block if you're good and that's it. It's another interesting mechanic when you're on torrent and you're just like, you know, running and suddenly your stamina bar starts going down. You're like, oh, there's an enemy. There's something nearby that I should either just keep running from or just deal with right now. Even just those tiny little bits of uh, information that you're getting from the game are really helpful. Yep. Yeah. Audio cues too. Audio cues that are like within the combat and things like that, I think are really cool. But man, I feel like we just scratched the surface of game mechanics too. Like there's still so much we could talk about. Oh yeah. But I think we should move on to music. Okay. Because it's pretty damn epic. Yes, yes, it especially is. the the main theme for Elden Ring. Like, do you see on like the startup screen? And they, of course, do a good job of maintaining that theme kind of yeah. through through it and having different iterations of it. Yeah, I love that. I think something you just said about like those cues, those audio cues, is really important here because Elden Ring soundtrack just came out recently for us as the time of this recording. Like, and the number of tracks on there is like sixty seven. And and it's because they're all like two, three minute songs. Some are longer. You know, there's obviously background music. So there's like, if you're in the tunnels, right? Or if you're in Stormvale Castle, or if you're in, you know, the Eternal City, there's like obviously soundtracks there. But then there are very specific enemy soundtracks. But there's even smaller enemy soundtracks. So like when you're near one of those enemies, like you start hearing those audio cues for the music shifting just enough that you know that there's something going on. Yeah, it gives you a little clue and gets your heart pumping a little bit. Stormvale Castle, definitely. The themes throughout the game. So like if you go into the catacombs, like it's always the same catacomb theme. But yeah, like Willie was saying, there's the location themes, like a song for Limgrave, a song for Kaelid, Mount Gelmer, all the different places in Elden Ring. But then there's like lower level enemies and they have themes and tracks. And then there's, of course, like all the boss battles, which is like the most badass part of the Elden Ring soundtrack. It's like the last 20 tracks and it's like all the major boss battles. And man, I have so many favorites. Star Scourge, Radon is probably my overall favorite track on the entire soundtrack. But I also like the Godskin Apostles song. I like the Regal Ancestor Spirit boss fight music. So... I couldn't tell you one from the other. Uh, like I, I literally couldn't play one for you right now on a, on a keyboard or anything. I know I loved them when you're listening to them in like an album format, you know, listen to the soundtrack. Do they vary a, like pretty, pretty vastly? Like, are they different, way different songs and feels and everything? Or do they all kind of fit the same motif or theme of music? I guess the difference being like an album of a band, you could listen to, for 
30 minutes and you know which song is which. Um, whereas some soundtracks, a lot of times you could listen to an hour of the soundtrack and never know that it changed songs, if that makes yeah. sense. It's more diverse than you remember. Like if okay. you went through and listened to it, there's a couple of stretches where like three or four songs are like dragon boss fights. So like they're very similar. Mm-hmm. But then you'll get to something like the Song of Lament, which is the the song at um, Radon's castle, like after it's been cleared and it's just like very, it almost sounds like a c- cathedral. Yeah, sure. So like there's a lot of range in there and the sequencing, I think, kind of helps, except for a couple of spots where there's like three or four tracks back to back that it kind of feels like the track never changes, but then you'll mm-hmm. get to a moment where it's sequenced very well and it's like, there's good variety and, and differences in the tracks. And I think that okay. speaks to the, it is that organization of the tracks, right? Early on, it's mostly location-based stuff. And so you might not notice as much early in the beginning because when you're listening to location-based, it's literally like you're playing the game, right? And you slowly shift from one area to another and the music has changed over time. And so oh. like you, they just like do that, right? They're just like, it's now you're in a new area. But at the end, like, Joey was saying there's bosses, right? You get to like 20 tracks of different bosses and those all have like pretty different feels to them that are obvious. Cool. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out just because it's been a long time since I've listened to a soundtrack and I feel like that's one that I can definitely relate to and enjoy. Yeah, and it's like Mm -hmm. like three and a half hours of music or something. Yeah, it's like three hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Like 23 minutes. Mm -hmm. It is really good. I say that and then... Based on what Joey was saying, you know, he was talking about like they all feel sort of different, but they're also, you asked about if there's like a theme or texture to everything. And I think there is, right? They all fit together really well. The one thing that was really interesting to me about the game in general, though, was how out of place the like end credits song was. (laughs) Like out of everything, (laughs) like you get to the end credits and suddenly the feel is completely different in the music. I agree. It's kind of jarring. And then it goes back. It goes back to some of the main themes that you hear throughout the game, I think, after like that song. But the first half of that song is just so different and epic and in a different way. I totally agree. I wonder if that's maybe like a Japanese cinematic thing or it could have just been a personal choice by uh, Miyazaki or. uh... Mm hmm. It does feel intentional, but it is definitely the the most different sounding track in the entire soundtrack. Hmm. And I wonder because of its placement, that was like a really deliberate design decision to like make it very different from everything else because it was the end credits and like the the com- conclusion of the game. That was that was kind of what I was thinking about it too. I mean, I think about I don't know a handful of Japanese games that I've finished or Japanese movies that I watch, and mm-hmm. it does seem like they like to have like a pretty stylistic song that's like i don't know just different about this one in particular it's much more upbeat and like energetic like it's frenetic in like a way oh. that is it just has the rest of the game hasn't been that even if the the game has been like nerve-wracking and intense and whatever like none of the music makes you feel like that sort of energy fast-paced oh. energy till the end credits that's why it feels weird cuz it should be a moment of relief and it feels like a like you're just getting to <laughs> something still intense. Something left. Like <laughs> that's that new game plus song. I guess dude. so. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jump into your next adventure. Yeah. Now when you start new game plus, everything's uh, you know there's a bunch of paradiddles and triplets and sixteenths and everything's real fast. And <laughs> 
just had a wild thought, but what if it was different music in the New Game Plus playthrough? <laughs> that If I was making a game, that's how I'd have to do New Game Plus. I would want it to be... That's where I think that they're getting a little bit stale in their designing and mechanics is that they're really relying on the old ways of the New Game Plus, which is that the enemies are harder. They have more health. You get all the same stuff, like all the same equipment. Every, like, I want it to be like a unique ass new playthrough in mm-hmm. some way, you know, other than it's just harder. It'll make you matter or something to that effect. It would be cool to have different music, like more intense music. I see a lot of that in the world of like NFTs and stuff where you, if they have different levels, one may have music and it's just kind of tinny and basic. And then the middle level is like better music. And then the next one is like real full of bass. And but a similar concept to that in the game where you're going to new game plus and now you really kick in like some new bases and maybe you get to hear like some tracks that they didn't want to release on the first one. You get to hear some concept tracks that pop up, things like that. I feel like they could really take it to the next level and deliver to fans if to have a new game plus that was just totally check this shit out. And a lot of stuff could, you could cheese a little, like you could have a different version of a sword that like has different colors or like an alternate form that some artists would be happy to make and be paid for. (laughs) I like the idea of some type of um, more of an evolution in the new game plus. Like I I feel the same way. And then, and then you could take it further where each new game plus is like different stuff. Like by the last one, you have fucking some dude on a, on a tool ass (laughs) drum kit doing fucking crazy. (laughs) And some dude just like, I can't believe Melania or whatever, you know? And it's, I want that. And maybe it gets ridiculous. Maybe we need to make a game. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Making games. I don't want to act like I'm a developer and that would like be simple to do because (laughs) yeah, maybe the most, Insane. They may have kicked somebody like me out. You're just making two different games at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Nah, dude. It's just an extra piano riff on New Game Plus. That is what I'm trying Uh to figure out. Like, are there any games? (laughs) I'll look into it for future episodes. But is there a game that truly changes with New Game Plus that's not just harder, that doesn't just lower your health or like make the enemies harder? Mm -hmm. You know? I think the most unique that I've seen, and I can't like put my finger on any immediately but i think i've seen somewhere the ai is decently more smart like on the you know new game play, uh, playthrough and things like that but i don't i don't remember there ever being like an evolution other than like evo land or something like a game that's literally designed to evolve as you as you get through it but yeah i'm curious i have to learn that taylor if you go through and listen to the soundtrack you should definitely listen to that star scourge radon okay track that's my favorite yeah. the whole thing because it's just so epic fits the battle fits the battle man yeah earlier we were talking about the music the overall tone i would say is like um very dissonant and minor for a lot of the tracks like none of them are uplifting mm-hmm. you know it's like this is a dark fucking unpopulated world you know that you're just like basically fighting monsters and there's almost no real people to interact with in the entire game yeah, some of the more uplifting uh, notes that you'll hear are coming from giant, scary creatures, you know, bat <laughs> yeah. creatures that want to murder you and feast on your insides. The soundtrack is great. I will say, since you liked those bosses, 
Taylor, the like regal ancestor spirit track is a good one. That's like, hell yeah. That is okay. a little bit more up, uplifting and too. like has a different feel to it. Yeah. That was a beautiful battle too. Oh my God. That was beautiful. Oh. It's like, I almost didn't want to do it. You know, like yeah. there was no choice, but you didn't want to like finish the battle. I definitely had that feeling. Like it was too easy. It just felt wrong. As you were finally beating. Yeah, you were just like, why am I killing this beautiful thing? What is, mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Enter the soul's world. You will kill everything you love. Want to kill this maiden? No, you did it anyway. Sorry. Right bumper. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I accidentally attacked Fia like after the Praetor Rikard fight. Oh, my I God. accidentally attacked her. And then oh, ended man. up fighting uh, what's his face. Oh right! Oh right! I forgot the man. I forgot what they're called. Those guards. Yeah, I'm not sure. It starts with a C, but I'm blanking on the name. But anyway, he pops up, and I was like, "Oh shit! I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to do this." <laughs> well, what's odd is I, for some reason, my outcome. You know, I'm not going to go into depth about it, but my mental outcome on that was I also killed her. Even though, like, I, for some reason, I listened to the dialogue and I was like, uh, let me kill you real quick and oh, went through okay. the exact same thing that you did. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It makes me wonder if that was just kind of the natural, inevitable conclusion. What is that place called up there where they, where Reichardt is? Why can't I think? Volcano Man. That. I couldn't think of that for some reason. I was like thinking it's Lava Manor, and I was like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it fucking feels that way. That's where you fight that lizard. Oh, yeah, man. Ugh. Those things are assholes, too. They are oh. sliding around. Oh, I just remembered one of my other most hated enemies were the ulcerated tree spirits. Oh, right, right, right. They're so thrashing. You can't. I can't ever tell, like what attack is actually going to damage me because it's chaos. That was one of the first bosses, like side bosses that made me lose runes over and over again because there's one under Stormvale Castle that I went to go look for. Oh, yeah. The gold yeah, seed. Yeah, and I there. went down there to fight that thing and I just kept losing over and over again. Those things are super, way they too fast tough. whenever you first start out. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to even see like what is happening and, and see the attacks, but yeah, I had trouble with those incredibly nasty they're everywhere too like it's one of those repeated bosses which to elden ring's credit and probably all the souls games even though i haven't played them is that the bosses are very diverse like there's a lot of different bosses yep and the number that repeat is i think small hats off to from software for creating so much just diversity in the boss fights even when they repeat, a lot of times they'll do something different. Maybe it's that boss and another boss or... Or modified. Yeah, sometimes it'll be modified. So you're used to this flurry that he does. Well, now he does an extra one or extra four at the end or whatever. And Yeah, I'm immediately thinking of the draconic tree sentinel that's outside yeah. of Lindell. That asshole with lightning attacks. And they varied it up. There were a lot of those dudes, but mm-hmm. kept you wanting to kill every single one of them. <laughs> still feel bad every time i explain what i'm doing in this game like i don't want to tell my my grandma you know she's gonna be like so you killed the trees yep i guess i did and the people protecting them oh god taylor do you what was the name of your character uh sun sun lord or uh it's not sun spear is it 
No. No, it was Sun something. Sun Warrior. Sun Warrior. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Sun Warrior. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes. Sun yeah. Warrior. And Willie, what was the name uh, of yours? Asgar, I think. With a G or with uh, a D? A-Z-G-A-R. Oh. It's just my last name Got mixed it. up. <laughs> okay. Odin's son. <laughs> nice. Nice. Purpose behind it. I like that. Uh, mine was Takashi, just because I chose mm. the samurai class. You're very choppy. My first samurai character was, um, wait, I think I had like three. It was Satoshi. <laughs> oh, nice. That was my first samurai character. And then I ended up restarting. So then I chose to to rename him from Satoshi to Takashi. I was just curious. I couldn't remember it was Sun Warrior. Yeah. But yeah, dex build for me, strength for Sun Warrior, and intelligence build for, what was it, Asgard? Yeah. Asgard, yeah. The highest stat I had was Vigor, 58. I didn't really crank up Vigor until I had reached 50 in Dexterity. It wasn't until I finished the game that I started like leveling a bunch. Right. My highest stat is now Intelligence. And it's just, I, I'm, I didn't cap it all the way, but it's at 75. Yeah, there were certain points where you just had to stop. I started looking at those guides where they really dialed out the math yeah. on them. Yeah, they had some clear points where you just were getting diminished returns, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just for funsies. I love finding those videos and those charts where it had like the soft caps and the hard caps, and you could see the math and how many points are actually yep. being added. And seventy-five is the one for an intelligence build because it's just like if you like want to go all the way to the max, like you might as well do that. And then with the, you know, we didn't really talk about talismans, but when you add a talisman that adds intelligence to your thing, or or if you're running, um, you know, certain helmets or whatever to add intelligence, like you're going to get up to to 80 with that. And that's that's the cap. So like you don't need to go more than than 80 as an intelligence mm-hmm. build. So 75 plus my whatever I'm carrying on me puts me at 80. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into just kind of final thoughts of the game. Um, I think it's amazing. I think you it's the kind of game you need to play for hours and hours and hours to kind of start to feel like you're understanding a bit of the story uh, because there's no true guide. You don't have to do the bosses in a certain order. You can really pave your own path and end up in Kaled accidentally and then think you're in a fucking horrific circus um, mm-hmm. like I did. Mm-hmm. But the lore is baked into the items. It's baked into exhausting the character dialogue or the NPC dialogue. So it's there if you're willing to look for it. And if you really have a lot of trouble, just find a guide. Find an online guide or a couple of YouTube videos that can give you some like really basic tips for exploring Limgrave or the earlier parts of the games. One thing that I've noticed about some of those videos is that people are really good about not revealing later game bosses and later game areas. So if you find some of those tip videos on YouTube, they do a really good job of staying in like the main two, the first main two areas of the game. So you can actually learn a lot about the game mechanics and some of the features of the game and also avoid spoilers or major spoilers at the same time, because a lot of people creating content on YouTube for the game do consider that and basically avoid some major spoilers, which is pretty awesome. Absolutely. Music is great. The combat is some of the best I've played and the horseback combat is some of the best I've experienced too. I would have to second all of that. It's definitely, I think anybody who likes action RPGs should play it if they didn't somehow already do it. But know that, yeah, you will be sinking a lot of time into it if you choose to do so, because there's so much to explore. There's so many like 
if you start looking at those guides and like thinking about what builds you want to do, you're going to put yourself on certain quests just to like go figure out where to find that thing. And that in itself is a whole nother game. You're building a different game for yourself by being like, I want to do this build and I have to get all of these pieces, which means I have to do these. I have to find these people to get these quests to go to that place. And that's not true for every item. Sometimes like for me, I had a, you know, uh, the meteorite staff for the very first half of the game, pretty much just using that. And you can get that very early on and it's pretty powerful, but you have to put yourself in a position to go to Kaled and you're severely under leveled if you go there early, but you could do it. Yeah, you can build whatever game you want to play out of it. And it's it definitely is a lot of fun. And I, I'm definitely not done with it, I don't think. I, I have gone back recently. Like the reason my, my game time is ticked up is because I've been like, going back and beating every dragon that I can, which I think I did now. I think I've killed every dragon that I could. I cleared every tunnel, cleared every cave, cleared every grave, whatever, and every catacomb, finished all the ever jails. I, I think I'm at the point where I've done everything I need to do to clear everything. Oh, now I need some runes to buy all of the, all of the, the items I'm going to use to upgrade before I start New Game Plus. And I do want to try it one time. I want to go through at least one game of New Game Plus because I haven't even done that. I'm probably overpowered for New Game Plus 1, but I still mm -hmm. want to like do it. And take in more of mm -hmm. the lore that I missed the first time. And I just really want to get a different ending. Because I think in total there's six endings. I think three of them are similar and three of them are like very different. Something like that. I can't really remember, but I, I haven't seen all of them yet. So I want to see at least one other one. Same. Yeah, the only one I have seen is the game ending I went with, which is what you did, Willie. And that's literally the only one I've seen, despite them being like very accessible on YouTube yep. to like see all the endings pretty easily. I've, I've avoided all of those. Same. Taylor, what, what about your final thoughts? I love it. Can't wait to go back to it. I'm at that point of I've beaten it. I don't think I'm going to go and do much anymore. Like I'm, I'm just waiting for everybody to get to either are we going to do new game plus or start over or whatever and try to make those decisions. Cause I don't know. There is an appeal that I do want to fight some of the earlier bosses with my badass ultra swords and character and see how can we just wreck them? Are we just mm -hmm. plowing through them or whatever? And, and, it may make the lore a little bit more accessible and digestible if we're going through with our good gear. And But I don't know. I don't know. I might try to get some spells in there or something too. But overall, amazing game. The art and just how everything worked together and clicked perfectly to create an experience that was very, very, very bug-free and that the drop-in, drop-out co-op was pretty freaking perfect and... They made all these compromises on their typical formula to make it more accessible to people and keep the legs there and keep the player counts high. I feel like they made all the right moves on this one. The From top to bottom, left to right, everything was perfect. And I want to play more of it. I want to play DLC. For sure. I would love to see mods. I would love to see people... It'd be cool. We're going into a world of AI and, I mean... I want to see people start modding visuals with AI and stuff, you know? What would happen if this game was 4K Ultra and 
you know, people are able to, to really run it to the max and see what kind of visuals you can get out of it. I'd, I definitely want them to do another one. Like this should be a whole new series that they pump out one every three or four years. And I would play every single one of them. Yeah, I definitely would play it. And it, it's a little weird that they haven't said anything at all about DLC. I mean, cause it's not been out for super long, but it's been almost a year, right? I think that's just how they are too. I don't, I don't think they're very vocal about upcoming DLCs until they clearly feel it or have a reason or whatever. I only think it's a little weird just looking back on their history of games where they're making one like every two to three years for the last 11 years or so. They had something coming out, whether it was Dark Souls or, you know, or Bloodborne or Demon yeah. Souls or since they started doing Dark Souls every two to three years, they had something. So it's a little weird to like not know anything else but about one of the most successful games of this year or of you know the past year. Well, they may also have a lot of irons and pots. Yeah, exactly. You can't help but wonder, are they working on another Dark Souls? Do they have another Bloodborne in the works? Which, and they're all totally viable. And they could, what if they went, what if they did this with the Bloodborne universe or or world or, or whatever you would call that? I mean, that would be insane. Just a huge bloody... It would be disgusting, <laughs> without a doubt. But it, all of it is perfect. Like they could go forward with anything. They're just doing so good. And I think with this game, they roped in a lot of new people mm-hmm. into their series. Like like me, having never played any FromSoft games, I think a lot of for a lot of people, Elden Ring was that entry point into you know their style of games and you know, the the difficulty level of the games, which I think is amazing. I think it's successful on that front for sure. They're strong. Like if people who are new to the series are suddenly like, oh, here's Bloodborne and it's free on the PlayStation store or whatever, they're going to go experience that and get a very similar experience, man, because their technology was had come quite a ways. And then you can hop in Dark Souls 3 or 2, same thing, man. You're going to be like, oh, this sword swings like that sword or this dude, you know, this ring gives me decks like this did. And you could literally, there was a ring you could put on in dark souls too. I believe that would give you a backflip. You no longer do rolls. You backflip and cartwheel places. Trust me, brother, trying to kill somebody who was good with that, who was invading your Mm -hmm. game was a joke. Some dude with a turkey leg for a head is just in underwear (laughs) cartwheeling around you, wailing on you. (laughs) <laughs> nothing makes you feel worse than that. I mean, I guess we should point out that we haven't been very critical about the game. Like there are things, I think there are areas where we could be very critical and and review it in a, a more neutral kind of way. I think we're all huge fans of the game. So I think our breakdown of this game and our experience with it definitely leans towards us overlooking a lot of the shortcomings of the game. But I did find a review, a one-star review for the game that I want to read from Plant Nerd. Oh, nice. And it's from April 11th, 2022. And the title of the review is called Overrated with Terrible Combat Mechanics and Animation. Oh, go on. I heard all of the hype and decided that I had to try this game. I just finished Horizon Forbidden West and was looking for something to fill my gaming void. Elden Ring seemed like a good bet. I was wrong. You start the game with no direction. 80 hours in and I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
The game expects you to fight creatures and win to level up, so you often end up just fighting the same creatures over and over again until you have enough to level up. Rinse, repeat, and then after a few iterations, maybe you'll feel strong enough to try that tougher monster over there. But of course, you lose to that monster. Not because you're not strong enough, no. It's because the combat mechanics are awful. You'll swing your poleaxe right through the giant's leg, but the game tells you that you missed. Then you'll get hit by his sword that looks like it never even came near you. Rinse, repeat, die, or maybe not. Maybe you'll win the fight. But even winning doesn't bring me joy in this game. It's just a sense of relief. Then annoyance when I realize I just have to keep doing it to advance. The game seems designed to suck the joy out of your soul. I write software. The scenery is great in an emo sort of way and worthy of a released game. The gameplay, the gameplay mechanics are not. They are alpha or beta quality at best, not something I would even consider releasing. I did my time with this game and now I'm uninstalling it. It's not even worth trying to finish. Maybe I can make a sun catcher with the install media or something. Oh my God. Four people found this helpful and the reviews from Amazon. <laughs> Any true souls fan would read that and immediately know that it was the right game for them. Totally, totally. No, this is this is exactly what I want. Yeah, because anybody who tries to compare Forbidden West, you know, a, a game like Horizon that has like buttery smooth, like you can do physically impossible shit. You can do like a leopard jump roll in four different directions in three seconds. Oh, right. Yeah, if that's what you're looking for, you ain't going to have a good time. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. just, yep. Rinse and repeat. You got to be ready to do yourself a a time loop. Uh, just as we started this off with our own little time loop in which we've talked about this game for a long time. And yeah, that's a, that's weird. Certainly a game with a lot to unpack. I mean, we didn't even venture into multiplayer gameplay mechanics. You know, there is the idea that you can only carry so much weight in the game. And if you carry too much, mm -hmm. it slows you down. There's so many smaller details of this game that we've only really scratched the surface of what this game is about, the lore within it, the variety within the different areas of the game, the level of customization with weapons and builds and armor that you can spend 500 hours playing this game, which we probably eventually will do. I mean, we're mostly the way there to yeah. so playing this game for 500 hours, but I guess the best advice I can give is to give it a shot. Give it a shot. And the only thing I would ask is that you don't quit the game too soon. It is the kind of game that you probably do need to play for like 25 hours to kind of get a sense of the, the gameplay flow and the mechanics and maybe find a couple of NPC characters that are going to pique your interest. But coming from us with people that uh, almost 850 hours of gameplay, in my opinion, it is very very much worth the price point and that number of hours. Yeah, hell of a value. Yeah. And definitely, I would, you know, Joey already said this earlier, but I'll just reiterate, don't listen to anybody who says, like, you have to play it a certain way. Do whatever you want. Look up some guides to it. Look up what build you want to do. Don't be afraid to call people in. Don't be afraid to use spirit ashes. Just like... Hell no. Nah. Play it your Play way. the game and just... Yeah. Those game mechanics exist for a reason, so use them all. Mm -hmm. I think they make the game more enjoyable because if you don't use them, 
there is a good chance that you'll just get overly frustrated and not mm-hmm. you'll just put the game down for for good. Yeah. It's not embarrassing to have to get a guide. Yeah. Especially on a game that massive and expansive and mysterious and hard. It, it helps to have something to kind of look back yeah. to. But we're looking forward to the DLC whenever that may be and just kind of maybe playing a new game plus. But yeah, thanks so much for hanging out. This is probably going to be a longer episode, and I think we're just going to let it be as long as it needs to be because uh, there's a lot. (laughs) This game is very involved, and there's even more than we can talk about probably in a whole series (laughs) or a whole podcast season uh, and really break down this game. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for hanging out. It's been awesome. Looking forward to the next one. Yep, later. Peace. Berries and Blades is an independent podcast created by Joseph Bullard, Willie Garza, and Taylor Garrett. Thanks for tuning in and consider subscribing if you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can also support us by telling your friends about the show, and we hope to see you in the next episode of Berries and Blades. Until then, thanks again. Yeah, man, everything was great. Yeah, we got a sick-ass little house in South Austin um, that was like, 15 minutes from downtown. Um, the price was right. It was like $90 a night, but I'm pretty sure the mattresses were stuffed with like the previous occupants. <laughs> so, so we had to tell them to definitely, you know, get some new mattresses, motherfuckers skimping.